0: Listening to Loving the Snow Life with Emma and Tanil. Tanil, our mum, and Emma, her awesome friends, share deep
1: passion for the snow. They started a podcast together to share all their experiences with you. Between them, they have skied over 95 resorts, both held ski instructor qualifications, lived and worked in resorts, and still spent every hard-earned dollar skiing. They set their lives up around snow travel. Our houses are always Airbnb ready, and our ski bags are always packed, ready to go. We're certainly not complaining about this, are we?
2: No way. And even better, we get to share all the experiences. Patrick Jensen didn't grow up skiing, but he loves a challenge. So after listening to his Year 12 career advisor, he ended up in Austria in a strong snow plough. Imagine that. Then in a considerable short amount of time, he found himself racing in the green and gold down Olympic alpine race courses, doing 110 kilometres an hour in some races. Beijing will be Patrick's second winter Olympics and we learn what it takes for a vision-impaired ski racer to travel the world, compete, and we get seriously inspired by his triumphs. Don't tell him you can't do it because he will prove you wrong.
0: Hi, Patrick. How's it going?
1: Yeah, good yourself.
0: Yeah, really good. Where are you at the moment?
1: I'm currently in Newcastle, which is absolutely beautiful this time of year. Yeah,
0: how long since you've been
1: in Newcastle? In, in my up. apartment. Um, I grew up here, between here and Nelson Bay when I was quite young. So between, I guess, travelling for skiing, I'm always back here in Newcastle.
2: There's a lot of people that ski from Newcastle, I think. when I was, Is there? Yeah, <laughs> when, I, yeah, when I was teaching skiing at Perisher and everywhere, there seemed to be a lot of Novacastrians who love a season or love
0: a, you know, a ski. <laughs> yeah, okay. I have have, yeah, I have to have a shout out to Taj <clears throat> Curran from Newcastle, little ripper. Um, so tell us about your Paralympic preparation.
1: It's such a long preparation over the last three, three and a half years, getting to where I am now. But at the moment, it's all just fitness-based and lots of gym, lots of downtime to mentally prepare, which I think is really important. Yeah. Lots, lots of beach time.
0: <laughs> and and wait, how do you, how do you mentally prepare at the moment?
1: I guess getting yourself in a, a good, calm, mental, mental space where I'm feeling confident and collected before I start travelling. Um, a big thing for me is the anxiety and things that come around flying and travelling and all the planning for that side of things. is. I think it can be mentally draining. So if you get yourself in a good headspace, beforehand I think it makes it a lot easier to deal with so you can focus on the actually important things like skiing
2: yeah so we should mention at this point that you are a blind para alpine skier at what yep. stage um you lost a little bit of your sight of at at when you were seven years old Is, and explain where you are at now
1: you're right I, had, I got diagnosed with a disease when I was seven years old um it would have been from birth, but the degeneration made it hard to actually detect that growing up. But currently I have very limited vision. It's I've been given about two to three years before it's all gone, which is actually not bad because where I'm at now, it's it's not a whole lot of vision left, so it won't make too much of a difference to lifestyle or anything like that.
2: Yeah. So, what do you actually see?
1: It's it's real hard to to know to be a hundred percent honest. Like yeah. because I don't know what the normal eye sees or a twenty twenty vision. I think what what I kind of can imagine it would be is is if you've taken everything, made it a lot smaller, put it a lot further away, and then put put like a techie, fuzzy Instagram filter over it. That's basically it. With I guess, because my main thing is I guess like blind spots. So there's a lot of sections that are just missing that you you don't know they're missing because it's not black or anything like that. It's just not there. It kind of joins up to the rest of your sight. So
0: when when people use the word legally blind, what I've always been curious about that phrase or that, <laughs> that description. What does it mean?
1: I don't know. I <laughs> I use the term because I know that that I am legally blind, but I don't know what classifies someone as legally blind. I guess not being able to correct it with, say, glasses or contacts or any surgery like that, I guess, yeah, not being able to fix it would probably put you in that category, but I have never even asked the question, to be
0: honest. Mm, you hear it quite a bit. Let's take mm. you into the world of skiing. What led you there?
1: Oh. I, I, it's a long story, long, I guess not a crazy story, but during year 12, I had no idea what I was doing. I was still just like every other kid trying to figure out what am I going to do after school. And my careers advisor at school had found out about, I guess, a sporting background that I'd had when I was younger, which was all athletics and swimming base and definitely given up those dreams a long time before this and she made me go to like a scout day um to try and find a sport when I was in 12 and I really didn't want to bar of that but I ended up going and chose winter sports it's like a a trial thing because I knew I thought at the time I thought that's definitely not going to happen they're not going to make me start all of a sudden being a winter athlete <laughs> too expensive it's too far away i skied maybe three days of my life so not gonna happen and then next minute i was sure i was in parasha doing a camp with the i guess the snow australia futures camp and then six months later i was competing in austria not knowing what i was doing but
2: Uh, so hold on so you've gone so you gone to a camp because your teacher's gone oh this is a great idea and then (laughs) and then someone at the camp has gone oh he's got potential let's send him to austria is that
1: that's yeah (laughs) it was hectic i i didn't even know how to put my bloody ski boots or click my skis on when i got to austria i had no idea what i was doing but Huh. I think, yeah. That, I think I'm too stubborn to give up on something once I've been given a task. So that's led me to now where I'm on my way to my second Paralympics.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> but did you get the ski bug then instantly? And in, I mean, what a place to get it, Austria, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you. Yeah. Just, and did you go over with a coach over there, or the, just the the leader yep. of the camp? And it's a coach so, with you or? <laughs>
1: yeah, like I'd never met my guide, who, like a a guide that I had at the time. I'd never met her and I, I didn't know what was going on. All my friends were going off to schoolies and I was getting on a flight to Austria to compete in ski racing and I, I didn't know who was there, what the deal was, but I had a coach there. A physio and a ski technician for most of the season, and then uh, a bunch of teammates, teammates which I got to know really well, really quickly, which was awesome.
2: So you Built some be, good I mean, friendships out you of must that. Be really athletic, like to kind of go. Okay, right ready. Were you snowplowing at that time, or were you paralleling at least?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to snowplow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I guess I've always been very competitive, so. As soon as I got on snow, I absolutely loved the feeling. The freedom that I got, I got to go as fast as I wanted. My technical abilities allowed at that point in time, which wasn't great. No fear.
2: No fear, I guess. You just kind of went, okay, I'm going to go fast. So that, that's why you got into alpine, obviously, and a bit of downhill, a bit of GS.
1: Yeah.
0: So your events are GS, slalom. Yep. And so did, what,
1: were, what are the other ones? So I do slalom. GS which is giant slalom I do super G downhill and then super combined which is a mixture of slalom and a speed race. So what's your favorite out (laughs) of those disciplines? um, It's hard I've I've probably said along the way each and every one of them in their own way have been my favorite speed so downhill has a soft spot I have a soft spot for that because it it's so much fun. Like you're going so fast. I feel somewhat in control, but still a little bit scared. Not not scared, more just intense. You're learning as you go still because new course, everything's always different in speed.
0: Tell us about the process of having a guide. How that like um, do they go in front
1: amelia Hodgson is my guide she skis immediately in front of me probably between five to ten meters preferably closer because the further she gets away i can't see her anymore um a lot of people ask if we're tethered together like runners we're definitely not because that would be terrifying we use bluetooth systems in our helmet so cardo an amazing company that make it initially was for motocross, I think, or motorbike riding, but it's just a, a little Bluetooth pack that slots onto the side of my helmet with a microphone and earpieces that go inside, and that allows Amelia and I to can uh, communicate the whole way down, and she tells me when to turn, when there's a bump. A, a ditch in the ground or if we're going get, to get a bit of air, or especially when to stop is a big one. Um,
2: Do you see the three dimensions of the hill?
1: I I have next, I basically have no depth perception, so yeah. it all kind of looks two-dimensional and when it's, especially if it's glary and stuff, I, I can't see much at all because it's so bright and everything's just white contrast.
0: Like when you leave the gates... How is she like if it was me and I was your guide and I'm going left, I'm going left and then Mm -hmm. right and left? How am I accurately conveying to you left and right? Do you know what I mean? Like if I say left, are you going to immediately turn left or do you know that it's left in two seconds?
1: There's always going to be a lag between what Amelia tells me and my body actually listening from when I've heard it. Basically, she will call left as she's starting the turn. So then I'm starting, I guess, like maybe half a second later when when I'm meant to be anyway. So the earlier that Amelia calls it, the earlier I'm going to do it, which in ski racing earlier is always better in every sense. That- so
2: Every ski racer would want that, really, because the earlier <laughs> you start your turn, the better you set up for the next race. <laughs> Definitely.
1: has been an issue in my my whole career so far is never doing anything early enough. And I think that's got something to do with my listening abilities, but <laughs> we're getting there slowly.
0: <laughs> like in terms of a guide, would you say the relationship between you and your guide, have you, let's put it, Bluntly, like have you tried had to try a few out to find a really synchronistic relationship? You know, fire a few, if you know what I mean. Like then you go, <laughs> yeah. Yes, Amelia's great. We work well together. Is it yeah. like that?
1: It's yeah, it's it's an insane relationship, I think, that not many people in the world will ever fully understand. I think I'm up to maybe my sixth guide and I've never directly up to me, it's staff and stuff like that. But I've never fired anyone. (laughs) Everyone's always been really great in their own way. But Amelia and I have really clicked really well. So I think one of the biggest things as well is it's really hard to come by a guide in Australian ski racing. It's not, I guess, because you want them to have a racing background. And the people that have racing backgrounds in the Australian Ski community have usually finished ski racing for a reason. So that they're usually done. But injury. <laughs> yeah, injury or, you know, just not wanting to ski race anymore or they would still be doing it.
0: I, I suppose um, that, that was an interesting consideration, isn't it, that I was thinking that you, geez, you want to have someone that's fast enough and if they're fast <laughs> enough to be a guide at the Paralympic Games, they also mm. need to be... Extremely good and an interesting niche market, isn't it?
1: It is. It's it's really hard to figure out as well as those two, like going fast enough and skilled enough mm. to actually click well together on and off snow. But so Amelia Amelia's a really good skier. She grew up ski racing and has a lot of ski instructing background. So her skills are a lot higher than mine. So that makes it a lot easier for us to ski well together. Mm. I think if you're similar levels with your guide, it's always going to be a bit yeah. a bit hairy. But
2: she's going to want to go 110 k's an hour too down the downhill.
1: That.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it would be exactly. it would be so hard to synchronize the speeds of the, both of you. It would be really difficult. And this is why it's interesting having this conversation because when you see when you see um, a race whether it's on the TV or just on the slopes, you're not really think, well, I'm not really thinking of that, but it's all these little like tiny little pieces that pull it all together. It's amazing. Yeah,
1: there's a lot of variables. Um,
2: Yeah, I would never think think of sun shining. Like you're, you're praying for a snowy day then almost so you can actually go, okay. You know, I can see better in when it's well, not too snowy because you don't want a race course covered with powder. But, <laughs> <laughs> but mm. yeah, there's a lot of variables. Isn't there? So yeah,
1: there is. Is, not, yeah. is, it,
2: is it unusual to have a female guide? Because I was looking at the World Cup kind of para alpine, and the, a lot of the people on the podiums were with males. So is mm. it unusual for a, to have a female guide? Um, not?
1: It's not unusual. It's not as common to have a female guide. Um, Yeah, it all depends on. Who's available? Like it doesn't, it doesn't actually matter at all if it's male or female. It works really well. Females guiding me because I'm not a big guy, and there's usually smaller females able to do the job that a similar size and weight to me. Whereas okay. if I had a big ninety kilo guy in front of me, I'd, I'd not be able to keep consistently behind them. Yeah. So, That makes a big difference in size and weight.
0: Yeah. Tell us about your equipment. Skis do you use? Let's go from the bottom up.
1: Lots and lots of them. Oh, okay. (laughs) Uh, So I ski on Atomic, which is amazing. I, I skied on Rosignol. For my first oh, blizzard and rosignol for my first few years but atomic uh, helmet and lecky poles
2: you do you yeah. do all your disciplines so you have to have different sk- how many disciplines are you competing in in the next olympics in beijing do you know yet or you've still got to qualify on the circuit
1: at this point i'll be competing in all of them so five different events got slalom giant slalom super g downhill and super combined and you need different skis for all of them so yeah i, I have a Two to three sets for each discipline. So I'm traveling with about all up about twelve sets of skis, which is a lot. That's a lot. Wow, <laughs> but necessary.
2: Do you call it a quiver of skis? Yeah. Oh, okay, it's like six yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. <laughs> but, um, what gear are you wearing on you? Are, is it um, loose or tight? I mean, we we talk to a lot of the athletes who have to wear the tight outfits.
1: Yeah it's, yeah, it's very tight.
0: <laughs> it's
1: fine. I I grew up in the beach and wearing wetsuits. So it's not a whole lot different to that.
2: Not true. But I've never really thought about that. And have you got your Australian outfit uniform yet?
1: Um, we haven't got the Paralympic uniform yet. We'll get that when we arrive in China. It's it's all so exciting when you when you get to a Paralympics and you walk into your accommodation and walk into your assigned room. And on your bed in the room is just a massive suitcase full of your uniform, which is oh. super exciting. It's like Christmas.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, that is. It's not going to be pink like I saw on your Facebook page.
1: <laughs> no, no, unfortunately <laughs> not. I've been nagging for years for a pink race suit. Um, <laughs> Kate McLaughlin, our CEO of Paralympics Australia, she said that they can't do it in the uniform, but she presented me with that race suit, which Thank you, Kate. That was that was awesome. <laughs>
0: yeah, love it. <laughs> love it. I wonder I wonder when you um, I've been to China twice now. And the thing that struck me about China is when you get off the plane, it has the smell about it. Don't mm. you think the hell you've been to China? <laughs> okay, I guess You have to have to get give us feedback on that, but it just, it just smells differently.
1: I don't know. Yeah. I've I've been to China once and it was one of the worst experiences of my whole life because I got sent there alone as like a, a stopover to get to Europe and not many people at the airport speak English and
0: nope.
1: I certainly did not speak Chinese. The airport assistance people, the people that basically take me from my seat on the plane all the way through to my next seat on my next plane, they did not come and help. So oh my I kind of got a bit stranded in a Chinese airport and were you in Shanghai because that's a huge airport,
2: huge I airport.
1: think it was Shanghai, yeah, and I got interrogated for like an hour and oh. had no idea what to do. <laughs> but I got out of there, so yes. next time I go, we'll be with the full team, thank God.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So explain your travelling experience as a as a blind person. I didn't know that you got guided. You expressed you had a bad time once before travelling gives you a bit of anxiety. So tell us your process.
1: Mm-hmm. Um yeah, season. in general, in general like travel itself always brings a lot of anxiety to me because I guess the unsurety of what like it's a new place and when you can't see a new a new place is it's all pretty intense to get used to it. And yeah. airports, there's so much going on. There's so many things involved, like remembering everything and going to the right place. There's people everywhere, and yeah, fine. and you know, you need you need to make your flight, and you need to do this, and you do that. It's are you, all.
0: Are you generally like? I mean, this time you'll be with a team, but are you saying that usually you're on your own, having to do all this?
1: No, no, huh. this was a one-time thing and never again. <laughs> yeah. um, usually we, we travel, half the team kind of come from Melbourne Airport and half from Sydney. I'm one of the Sydney siders, so we'll all meet up at the airport, fly together and go all the way through to Europe together. So, yeah. so
2: go back to your build-up. So 2013 you were at DWA camp and then the Europa Cup. How have you progressed? Like, And in the last two years, you've kind of not been on snow, but, oh, at Perisha you would have. Did you get on snow this year?
1: Yeah, yeah, I had a really good season here in Perisher this season. Yeah, I guess I started 20, I wasn't sure if it was 2013 or 2014. Um, I did that DWA camp and then, as I said earlier, literally went to Austria yeah. months later and it was all on. I, I raced a couple of Ipcast races at the time, so their WPAAS races now, so basically just an entry-level race where I was absolutely terrible for the first <laughs> kind of season or two, maybe three. I qualified, though, to compete in some Europa Cups and Noram Cups, which is like the American Tours. Not until t- 2017 I competed in my first world championships, which was really lucky. I, I didn't think I was going to go, but I got selected really close to that as hard as I could (laughs) did you
2: by the Australian team they selected you to go there or by your by the your points
1: a bit of both I actually don't know if my points were quite good enough I may have got a wild card I can't actually remember who cares you were there yeah yeah Yeah. I try not to think too much about points much anymore because I noticed over time, it just gets in your head, and it it builds up to be this big thing when you're meant to be focusing on what gets you the points, not not what they are.
2: Yeah,
1: um, yeah. See, I, I got to compete in 2017, and then did did a bunch of World Cup race, or a couple of World Cup races that season as well, and then went to the Paralympics the next year, which was amazing in Korea.
2: Yeah,
1: I actually. Sim, similar situation. I didn't. I didn't think I was actually going. And then about a month before, we we all got selected and got the chance to go and represent Australia there, which was the biggest honor and best thing I've ever been able to do so far. So,
2: did that spur you on to get to Beijing? Once you competed there, you were like, okay, I'm not giving up. I'm going to the next.
1: Yeah, I guess my plan all along was to go through to at least Beijing. I knew at the time I, I wasn't going to be highly competitive in korea like there's always a chance you can do well but my goal was always to do well in beijing and then possibly go through to the next ones and podium at them. i guess see see how far i can get in in the long haul not to not to go to the first games and retire after that as i said i'm too stubborn i need to complete my goal which
2: yeah, My goal, the goal? I guess
1: I would love to podium at a Paralympics and at a world championships and mm. possibly get a, a globe. So, an overall World Cup, yeah, it, it'd be incredibly tough, but I think one day, one day I we think can you, do yeah, it. You've
2: got the mindset for it. how uh, old are you?
1: 25.
2: Oh, baby, you're a baby. Yeah. Yeah. Many, <laughs> plenty of time to get that. <laughs> plenty
1: of time. I'm plenty of time to
2: get your crystal <laughs> globe. What discipline would know. you love to win it in?
1: Um, I. I love all of them. I don't. I don't know. It would be amazing to. I, I think it'd be amazing to have a globe in any of them. Um, mm. I think down downhill would be really cool to have one in. I'll take any of them. <laughs> I'm not fussy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: amazing. So, wait, what about all your other senses when you're racing in the gates? Are all your other senses heightened?
1: I, I wouldn't say heightened. I think you use them more specifically. I grew up as a drummer, so my hearings. Bloody terrible, anyway. Which was a terrible idea. Uh, it, was, it was, good fun. Yeah. So I guess when I'm skiing, yeah, I, I listen to everything. It's weird the connection you feel on the snow. I, I get a lot of my connection as well through hearing. You can, you can hear what the snow conditions are by skiing on it. You can, you can hear the wind, judging how fast you're going, sort of thing. Wow. It all makes a big difference. I think if you. If you took hearing away from skiing, it would completely change your feeling to the snow.
0: That's interesting you say that because I feel like having a helmet on and and then the goggles wrapping around your head and your ears. I don't. I wouldn't say that I would actually hear anything.
1: It's definitely hard to hear. I think if you're listening out for it, you will definitely notice it
0: because mm-hmm.
1: it, do, it doesn't block out all hearing. It it's still Especially if you're going 100 plus k's now, the wind is so loud through your helmet.
0: Yeah. Mm. I suppose Um, like I think of um, when it's a a complete whiteout on the hill somewhere and you just know you can't rely on what you're looking at. So you've got to feel through your feet. Yeah. And and just that sort of straightaway switch on listening through your body. Yeah. Um,
1: It's tough. In like a whiteout, which honestly like, most days unless it's really sunny and clear most days kind of feel towards the whiteout for me because I don't have that mm. contrast and if you've skated in a whiteout you know you get you get vertigo so I, yeah like I have that quite often
0: Gene, and it
1: it fine. really I guess pushes you to feel your body a bit more and body awareness spatial awareness and exactly what's going on and once you're in touch with that it it allows you to ski in a lot tougher conditions and understand it a bit more so
2: so when you learned to ski better and on like from you from your first experience when they just dragged you to Austria (laughs) (laughs) is that when you kind of got more connected with the snow because you could feel your edges and you could feel the turning and you kind of knew what you were looking for and how did you get better
1: time lots lots and lots of time (laughs) Still getting better every day. It's a yeah. long journey, especially yep. not not growing up skiing. I, it took a long time to understand why your body needs to be in certain positions to accelerate a ski and a different part of each turn, and all of those variables. I'm very far from from perfect at it, but you learn each day something. Oh well, that that felt good, so I might add that to to that in that point of the turn and. And, yeah, yeah listening to your coach There's a long time where I thought I was listening to my coaches and still just staying in my habit but once okay. you you start to get out of your comfort zone listening to your coach then that's when things start to change
0: who's your coach at the moment
1: so I have Ryan Pearl from Utah in the States he's he's been coaching us since after the last winter Paralympics so we've done a full four-year cycle now together which has been amazing we work really well with Pearl and yeah. we have an assistant coach slash ski technician, Zali Offord, who actually guided me for a season. And I, I love working with Zali. She's a really good assistant coach and knows skiing really well, knows feeling on snow really well. So having those two teaching me is it's perfect.
2: Yeah, it's great. It's great to be surrounded by great people, I guess. So when do you um when do you head back it on the, on the <laughs> snow again? When do you when when do you start in back in two
1: training? two weeks? Oh. It's um it's creeping up quick. Yeah. I yeah. I fly out on the 18th of November, and
0: people are listening to this, you'll be
2: over there, right amongst it. Actually, we we interviewed Sam Tate last a uh, couple of weeks ago too, and you were you were there mm-hmm. and helped him climb Cozzy.
1: Yeah, yeah. For
2: cool. be, when he, he
1: didn't, didn't. So the year before, because the year after that he did it independently, but the year before that, yeah, we we tracked him up with like harnesses and ropes and stuff like that. He still did a lot of the work. I won't take that away from him, but, okay. yeah, we, we got him up there, which was really fun.
0: What's he going to put you through? <laughs> I don't know.
1: I don't know. I, we, we're, always, we're always helping each other with, with everything. We I, I carry him up the stairs and he's my eyes, so we work really well together. And Yeah, my, ne- my next mountain to climb, I think I'm planning on possibly doing Everest in 2023 or year oh. after that or something like that wow. which would be insane wow.
2: That's <laughs> <Yes.
0: amazing.
2: laughs> be fit. i guess all you do olympic training will get you fit for that you won't have to worry about any of the fitness so <laughs> you'll be right there for I,
1: the training <laughs> i don't know yeah i i've never climbed a, a bigger mountain than cozy so I, I don't really know what level of fitness it's going to take obviously a lot i'll definitely be training for it and researching it as i as I get closer. Yeah. But now's yeah. goal is to f- focus on the Paralympics and then figure something out after that.
2: We,
0: Do you we, let yourself eat a few donuts in between sort of like, would you let yourself <laughs> have one tomorrow? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, Do
0: you penfolds? Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. It's healthy to have a glass of red every every now and then.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, eating eating, and drinking and stuff, you it's it's not crazy, crazy strict, but you want to be as healthy as you can to compete at the best level you can. So eat yeah. really well, drink really well, and you can splurge every now and then. I don't think that's too bad for anyone to do that.
2: Yeah. yeah You've got so- four years of prep. You know, you, you're game on now, aren't you? The eye is on the prize. Like, you, yeah. you're excited for you. <laughs> Sorry, that was really rude to <laughs> yeah. say, the eye is on the prize. Bloody hell.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh,
1: my eyes are on the prize. That's- oh,
0: well. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be great um, watching and 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 I we just want to be able to help educate everybody who's watching you in your races yeah. so that they have insider info on what what is what's going on when you're coming down and it's just it just makes it that much more interesting I think.
1: Yeah, definitely. There's there's also like no one no one in Australia people in Australia but not many people at all in Australia know what vision-impaired ski racing is. I think no. it's really good to to talk about it and let people know, I guess, the little things. Like you're, you're still skiing, like maybe not quite as well, but as as an able bod skier, you you ski physically the same and it's all very similar, but people people just don't know that.
0: Which... What, what would you say to people that were diagnosed with...?
1: So I have <clears throat> retinitis pigmentosa, which... I actually don't know though if that's what I have. I've been diagnosed with a fair few different diseases along the way because later on in the degeneration, it, it's very hard to detect what it actually is. But wh- whoever is getting diagnosed with that, I think try. I, I found for me, sport is an amazing, an amazing way to get through everything. Yeah, it makes you feel normal, like a normal person, I guess. Which is a it's a rough term saying a normal person, a person without a disability. Um, It it makes me feel free, like being at a ski race. Music was another great one to to go through, another path. Um,
2: I did listen to your cooled on Spotify today.
0: (laughs) (laughs) A little bit of rap? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah,
1: that's fine. Just a a silly little project at the start of this year.
0: The other thing I, I, I noticed and I really like is that by year 12, like I say to my kids and they talk about different things and they're only, you know, 13 and almost 15, but I say, like, by the time you finish year twelve, like you there's gonna be sports that you've never done before. And you're saying this about yourself. Like there's things yeah. that you just can't sit there as a twelve year old, eight year old predict your life ahead. Like who no. could have imagine if you're in year 10 and someone said you're gonna to go to the Paralympic Games for skiing, like you would have laughed them out of the have room said- probably
1: i would have said what do you what do you do like what's <laughs> what's ski racing i didn't know what it was i'd, I'd never seen it before um
0: which is great yeah. it's just like so many things open to us if we stay open
1: mm, yeah definitely you, you don't you have no idea what you want to do when you're a kid yeah even now i'm still figuring it out but when everyone everyone seems to think as an 18 year old you know exactly what you want to do you you know yourself really well but you have no idea. Not until yeah. I'd say um, 22, 23 is when I started to kind of figure things out a little bit more and understand it a bit more. Yeah. I
0: think, even your whole life, we're in our 40s. You know, I know we look very young for our age. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but,
0: you know, it's, yeah, little twists yeah. and turns and not all bad. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah they are. I, I still don't know. So.
2: Mental yeah, I strength. Think, yeah. I love that you're going to find your mental strength and you're going to hold that crystal globe up. I can feel it. I
1: plan on it. It'll yeah, be a good mate. feeling.
2: Even if you don't, we're going to be bloody proud and backing you. I might even wear a little bit of pink with my green and gold.
1: That's <laughs> <Yeah>, great. <laughs> yeah. If I don't podium, I'm still stoked to be there. Honestly,
2: so. you're an Olympian. My gosh, yeah. you still mm. like a very, you work hard, you deserve to get there. Good on you. Like, wow. Thank From you. My- from just hearing your story today, I'm like, whoa, set off the Oscar <laughs> in a snowplow and now you're doing downhill at 110. Wow.
1: And, <laughs> yeah,
0: that's that's really amazing. So and turns, yeah, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Uh,
1: I'd say listen to your careers advisor at school. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I guess, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, just be, maybe just be open to the possibilities that come along. Like, could you imagine you could have easily said no? No. Doesn't sound like
1: oh, that. I, I, I nearly did because I I didn't want to do sport anymore, and they pushed me. They pushed yeah. me the wrong way. They said, you're <laughs> going to do it because you have to. I, mean, I don't like getting told I have to do something as an 18-year-old. So yeah. When I finally listened, I realised they're actually right. I didn't admit that for a long time, but I'll happily admit it now.
2: Well, hold on. Now you're listening to your coach, so game on.
1: i know right yeah yeah yeah. finally started listening to people it's it's good
0: (laughs) yeah well uh, um yeah well hopefully we can speak to you again when you're climbing up mount everest yes
1: yeah that'd be be awesome
0: (laughs) kind of always finish up with
2: our little podcast with asking where's your favorite place to ski
1: um i i have a real soft spot for a resort leo gang in austria I've had some of the most fun days of my life there and we've lived in a town next to that zone it feels like a home away from home really comfortable there and yeah I've had some crazy powder days and leggings I'd say that's a favorite
2: gotta love that yeah and you have one in Australia
1: I I'm definitely not loyal to any of the resorts (laughs) no I I love I love Perisher I've, I've skied the most in Perisher in Australia and yeah it's it's good fun it's got enough enough of everything for everyone so it's good fun yeah mm. well
2: hopefully we'll get a ski with you next year in perisher or somewhere <laughs> if, when we can absolutely get <laughs> give me
1: give me a call we'll go for a ski
2: no
0: worries <laughs> we can
1: we can get some some headsets on you and you can guide me
0: oh yes oh, okay. you I, I don't oh. know who's the most trustworthy <laughs> Emma.
1: Uh, I'm a, I'm a trusting
2: guy. <laughs> yeah, you can do
0: it. Uh, actually, yeah.
1: just don't go near near trees, and we'll be fine.
2: Oh, yes. <laughs> well, good luck on your on yeah. the adventure. You got two weeks to go. Get on snow, go hard. We'll be we'll be barracking for you.
1: Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, thank you very much.
0: Thank you, know. you. Thanks for your time. Excellent.
1: No worries. See you guys.
0: Thanks for listening to Loving the Snow Life with Emma and Tennille. If you've learned a handy tip or two, then happy days. To catch all our episodes, subscribe on iTunes. It's free. Head over to www.lovingthesnowlife.com.au for more info and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Loving the Snow Life. If you have any suggestions for topics or guests, then email us on our website. Thanks to everyone who leaves a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to share our episodes on your social media.